0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. I'm actually uh, not going to use the the pulpit today. I just feel like sitting down. I hope that's okay. Are we cool? Is that alright? I can do things different this week? Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Part of the reason I want to sit down is because uh, I've been sort of, God's been leading me through some things for the last few weeks. And um, that I thought were unrelated to today. (laughs) God is funny. And um, I'd written out, really, a completely different sermon. And God said, no. Okay, that's stressful. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, God uh, led me through this one. And uh, sometimes when God does that with me, I get a little bit nervous in front of people. So sitting down helps me to relax. So uh, I'm going to relax today, and we're just going to be really chill. And, uh, yeah, is that all right? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here in this place and that you're with each one of us and that you encourage us every single day. Lord, may may your words rest on top of these words. May they not be Jamie's words. May it not be Jamie's wisdom. May it, yeah, God, may we all see you more. May we all know you more. Use this time to bring change into our lives, Lord God. Help us to accept that. We love you so much, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okie dokie. So we've been going through uh, some series at the moment in in our church. So we we've been going through uh, some of our values, the values of Life Source Church. So we've got we did grace uh for the last four weeks and then last week we started uh community and then we've got uh, mission and service coming after that or service and then mission and uh so yeah this month we're talking about community and uh in particular can i have this uh up please room thanks buddy all right so we see the face there that's you know representative of people everybody in this room and uh really what summarizes the entire uh, ethos of community uh, is this one right here. Every individual has the right to belong. Okay. Now, last week when we sort of did that uh, tag team, you know, with the, with the preaching, um, I talked about every individual has the right to belong. I was talking about rights a lot, wasn't I? And why do we have the right to belong to uh, the body of Christ? Um, but I always kind of struggle talking about rights with that, like, I I struggle talking about rights by itself because I want to talk about responsibilities at the same time. Because if you have rights, you have responsibilities as well, don't you? How many people know someone who knows their rights? I know my rights! But they don't know their responsibilities and it lands them in hot water a lot. You know, we know some people like that. And, uh... Yeah, so thankfully, Mike is going to be preaching on responsibility next week, in particular relational responsibility. So I don't need to talk about that this week, so he can balance me out. So I'm just going to be talking about really rights and belonging this week. Now, I've been talking about rights and responsibility because I want to talk about this particular parable. If you can turn with me there, or I will also put it up there. It's in Luke chapter 15. It's the prodigal son. We Most of us know this story. And we've shared it a few times in the last uh, few years here at church. I'm going to read it from my Bible. And, yeah, Reuben, you're right to do that again, buddy, where you can change it for me. Thank you. All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. bring quickly the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near the house He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look. These many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command, (laughs) whatever, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, You're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found." What incredible grace, first of all, does the father show both of his boys. Like, there's a guy who really gets the heart of God. There's a guy who really gets what it means to be a dad, hey. What an incredible, incredible man. But his two sons, are very they appear very different to each other. They appear to have very different problems to each other. And the, the first son, the youngest son, he, um, he sort of seems to know his rights, probably a little too well to the point where he's willing to abuse them. But what I don't think he understands is his responsibility as a son. Because he was totally willing to just grab everything that the father had for him, take off, and waste it all in something that was dishonorable. He was, we would call, an entitled, spoilt brat, wasn't he? The second son, the older son, he appears very different. He knew his responsibility. Very well. He worked hard. He never disobeyed his father's command. Not a single time that he can think of. His dad might have thought differently, I don't know. So he understood his responsibility, but he didn't understand his rights. You never gave the fattened you, you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. I think what really stopped him is just Thought his dad would never give him one, so he never asked. He's still afraid to. He won't give me that. I think this son really had the idea that he had to earn his dad's acceptance and his dad's love. What a terrible weight, hey? When I look at these two sons, I I don't I actually don't think they're very different. I, they appear to have very different problems, but I don't think their problems are very different. I think they've got the same problem to each other and it's just expressed in different ways according to their personality and and, you know, their experiences and all of that kind of stuff. I think it's the same problem that they've got. I think both of them don't feel like they belong in their household and I think they don't feel like they belong because they don't understand who their father is, they don't understand their dad's heart. I think that's it and it comes out in different ways And, and the young son becomes his little brat we just, he wants to run off. He doesn't want to stick around. He doesn't want to stay in his father's house. He just wants what's his. and, you know, he's gone. And when I think of the young son, I think of, like, here's where my brain goes, right? I think of fat Christians. <laughs> fat Christians that they love, um, they love being blessed by God. They love grace, to the point where it becomes this term that's been coined called hypergraces. Oh, it doesn't matter if I make a mistake, God forgives me. And there's no urgency to preach the gospel. There's no urgency to snatch souls out of the fire. There's no urgency to be a, a, a light to the lost. It's just, I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna hang around my my little social bubble and uh, the only Christians, oh, sorry, the only people that are gonna walk into that church is a Christian that comes from another town or a Christian that comes from another church, or a non-Christian that might walk in every now and then, probably never to be seen again. That's that's the people that go to that church. You know, a church that's just full of—it's just one big social, it's one big Christian bubble, and there's uh, there's no there's no outreach, there's no heart for the lost. You know, they've totally missed the Father's heart. That's what I think of when I think of the. The, the young son, I think of fat Christians. For the older son, I mean, we can sort of get more of an idea of what that might remind us of in our, you know, our context today in the church. You know, this son was very works-based, wasn't he? He wanted to earn his dad's love as if it was a thing that could be earned. And because of that, he became judgmental and bitter and he tried to do as much as he could, but it never felt good enough. And it, yeah, that was just his perception. So these kind of Christians are not interested in change. They're not interested in personal development. It's just, I'm going to do this because it's the way it's always been done. And nobody can tell me any differently. This is the way it should be done. And any time someone comes in and wants to do anything got to do with the gospel, they get opposed, don't they? So You look at this second son, and he didn't even want to come inside when this celebration was going on. See, think of the scenario, right? I mean, his brother probably, the older brother probably didn't like the younger one very much. I mean, he's a brat, and nobody likes the younger brother. (laughs) But the father did something really incredible, didn't he? His son's a long way off. He's coming back. The father had every right. I mean, he had every right to stone him to death in the first place. That was so disrespectful. But his son's coming back, and he had every right to say, you made your bed. Sleep in it. You know, you you walked away. You took your inheritance. You don't want anything more from me. Bye. He could have said that, and he'd be fully within his rights. The right isn't always right, is it? He did something so incredible, so good, and it was the heart of God. But at the same time, it was very radical. And the love of God is good, but it's also radical, and it doesn't make sense to people. It didn't make sense to this older son. And he saw something good happen, but he interpreted it as a bad thing isn't that so like people that just don't want a bar of, of changing or they don't want a bar of the gospel or, you know, that's we see Christians like that today as well anytime the actual gospel actual Jesus shows up and does something, they oppose it so let's never be like these two Christians, eh? these two sons, let's determine to be like the good son, which is who is it? Yeah, it's Jesus, it's God the Son, it's, or the Son of God, or however you want to say it. Jesus got everything right. Not just he did everything right, because, you know, the oldest son really did everything right, but his heart was wrong. Jesus was right from the heart, from the get-go. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll go there a little bit uh, later. So, let's go to a scripture now. So, I want to... So let's look to Jesus for our example yeah. and I don't want to look at Jesus like when he turns 30 and he begins his ministry, because all of that stuff is really, really good and it's relevant, but it's not what I want to look at. I want to look at 12-year-old Jesus, because he understood something so much better than what I'm understanding right now. He just got it, even as a little kid. I think sometimes kids get it more than we adults do. All right, Luke chapter 2. I'll read this one from the board. Okay. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. And then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Okay, if you're a parent in here, can you imagine how Mary and Joseph are feeling right now? (laughs) That's scary, isn't it? You'd be so frantic. After three days, imagine looking for your kid for three days because he just wandered off. Buddy, if my dad found me after missing for three days, I'd keep running. I would never come back home I know what would be waiting for me It would be wooden (laughs) It would be that rebuke side of love And it would get very physical They found him in the temple Sitting among the teachers Listening to them and asking them questions Like, where are your parents? And all who heard him were amazed At his understanding and his answers and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Did, do you think she said, son, why have you treated us like this? You think the Bible sort of doesn't really carry the emphasis sometimes? You just, you just got to put yourself in the story. <laughs> Imagine being a bystander to that situation. Better go up on Instagram very quick. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And <laughs> gotta love his answer. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? <laughs> Do you did you not know that I must be in my father's house? The innocence of kids, right? I think. I think I might have been talking to Margot or something about this a few weeks ago. She said, I think it was her, Jesus never sinned. But then I read this passage and I go, Really? Did he not sin? That's pretty bad. You know, but the innocence of kids, it just, it didn't really cross his mind that his parents might think differently to him. To him, it was totally logical that he would not be anywhere except in his dad's house. Why would I even think of rebelling, mom and dad? Like, I'm going to be around my fathers. It's where I belong. Why would I be anywhere else? Now, this was a profound lesson for me, this passage right here, just about a week ago. Because I read all these passages where Jesus says things like, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father say. And... I started thinking, how? How do you see what the Father is doing? I mean, I, I know you spent an eternity with him, but you're a human now and you're you're growing in your understanding, you know, but you've got the same scriptures as everybody else. How do you see what other people aren't seeing? Because they all read the scriptures and they all came to the wrong place, didn't they? What are you seeing, Jesus? How do you see the Father and know what to do? And when I asked God that question, he took me to this scripture. And God said, he just wanted to spend time with me. That's what he said. My heart exploded when he said that. Here is a son who knows he belongs in his dad's house, and his dad's never going to say, get out, I'm done with you. You messed up. Just give me half an hour, Jamie. Bugger off. I need a breather. He never said that to Jesus, and Jesus knew that. He knew he was totally accepted. He never needed to earn his dad's love. It was just there. And so he he felt safe there. Why would he be anywhere else? I just want to be in my dad's house. That's where I belong. That's why Jesus was different. He understood his dad's heart. The good thing is... We can get to know God the same way. I mean, my first thought after that was, well, that's all well and good for you. You've got a special connection with God, don't you? Being God yourself. But, uh, you know, God was pretty quick to shut me down there as well. We get into arguments sometimes. I haven't won yet. I don't really get into arguments with him anymore. See, I'm losing. So we can get to know the Father the same way Now, because of Jesus. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, or I'll just change it on the board. Let's read it. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen? For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so when he's talking about the two people there he's talking about Jews and Gentiles or Jews and everybody in the world like us so it doesn't matter if we're different we've been brought together in Christ so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access. Everyone say access. In one spirit to the Father. We have access in one spirit to the Father. Now Jesus' whole purpose for coming to earth was to reconcile us with the Father. He said things like that all of the time. He said things like, no one comes to the Father but by me. He said, no one comes to the Father unless I draw him or unless the Father draws him. Anyway, I can't remember exactly what it says, but he says it. Okay. So, we've been brought near to the Father through Christ's sacrifice, and there is nothing holding holding, uh, us back from him anymore. We have total access to God. The only thing that gets in the way is our silly little brains. So because we belong to God now, like he invites us in. He doesn't keep us at the door and say, come in whenever you feel like it. He's, he's calling out to us and saying, I'm here, be with me all the time. I want you here, this is your home. I have just as much access to the Father as Jesus does. And he literally sits next to him in the throne room of God. He talks to him face to face. And I have that much access because I have access to him in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Okay, because I belong to God now, I also belong to the church. If I know I belong to God, that'll translate through my faith. It will be—it um, becomes this desire in us to want to be a part of God's church, the body of Christ. It becomes our natural inclination. And if we really know we belong to God the Father, we're never going to think about leaving or church hopping or something like that. We're never going to think about it. Have you ever heard the saying um not that one you don't get to choose your family? Is that what it is? You don't choose your family? Yeah, that's right. Why do we think we get to do that with church? Like, I'm just going to get up and go to another body of Christ and sit down and hey I've got new friends don't worry about them like you're taking your problems with you, you the same thing's going to happen. You know, granted Half the issue that happened in, in that body of Christ or that church, I mean, half the issue might be the pastor's fault or might be a leader's fault or might be someone you had a negative interaction with them or something like that. Might might be half their fault. You'll still take half your problem with you. And it's going to happen again. There's a scripture in Proverbs. should have looked it up in the middle service. But uh, it basically says, if you don't want a mess in your barn, don't get cows. They're gonna poo on the ground. Churches like that. We're all cows. Honey? Mm. You're a cow. (laughs) <laughs> Rodney, you're a cow, Mary, you are a cow, Thomas, you're a cow, buddy, Eddie, you're a cow, hi, I'm a cow too, and we make a mess, don't we, it's not clean, fellowship isn't clean. Things go wrong. But if I really get the Father's heart, am I going to shy away? Or am I going to press in and work through it together? That's how people grow. We do not grow without relationship. My my spiritual metal isn't tested unless I'm hanging out with other believers. It just isn't. I can have all the amazing experiences and miracles in the world away from a church, but I'm not submitted to God if I'm not prepared to submit to the body. Your relationship with God is not... You're not Rambo. You're not a lone warrior. We like to think we're Rambo, but it doesn't work like that. You know, those who fear haven't been made perfect in love. You can't be made perfect in love unless you're willing to let the love of God flow through you and affect you and that has to happen with other people because it's not about you. If I'm isolating myself, I'm making my life about me. So really, if I get the heart of God, I can't get offended and walk away. It's just not in my DNA anymore. It's not who I am anymore. I'm changed. I'm a new creation. You know, when I was born, right, uh, I was given the name Jamie. My middle name is Lawrence, for all of those who don't know. My last name is King. King. My dad wanted to call me Lawrence Jamie King because his name is Lawrence, apparently. I haven't actually asked him this. I've only asked mum. So, who knows? (laughs) But apparently my mum didn't want two Lawrences in the house, so she said, I'm not having a Lawrence Jamie King. You know, I'm born in Australia, so I'm Australian, and I've got Irish heritage, if you can't tell, and I've got Scottish heritage too, and I've got English heritage. I've also got German heritage. My family must have been so conflicted in the 40s I've also got a bit of West Indian in me. I bet you didn't know that. Because I've got ginger hair, I've got freckles, I have blonde hairs on my arms and legs. And if you put me in the sun for 15 minutes, I turn into a sun-dried tomato that you see on coals, on the shelf. But, you you know, that's who I am. That's how everyone knows me. That was my primary identity, I guess you could say. The minute I gave my life to Jesus, it became my secondary identity. My primary identity is that I am a child of God. That's who I am. Because one day my secondary identity, Jamie King, is going to die. But my spirit will live and it's going to be with God forever. Our primary identity is in the spirit, not the flesh. You just still call me Jamie so you don't get confused. And, you know, every time we get into some stupid little argument or, you know, we, we rub someone the wrong way and, you know, genuinely we make mistakes and but it rubs someone the wrong way and they get offended and, you know, they want to hop to another church or, or they don't want to hang around you or this or that or, you know, shut up. The Apostle Paul says, when you have dissensions and divisions among you, are you not acting like mere mortals? Like, are you living in the spirit or are you living in the flesh? Who cares if someone calls you fat or ugly or I don't like the way you're a Christian or you're wrong? Are you going to get offended and, and view them like their secondary identity, as their primary identity? Or are you going to see them as a child of God and not get offended and decide to work through things together with them and really express the heart of God? That's what we're called to do. And that's how our metal is tested. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. When you're spending that time, when you're spending that sort of time with God, you just value relationships too much because you see that God designed us for them. Let's um, read out the uh, community uh, portfolio or the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The ethos of sort of the community value of Life Source Church. Okay. So this is written in our little vision and values document it's over there on the pulpit. I probably should have held it up. God has shown us the value of human relationships. Amen. The Bible clearly indicates the importance of belonging. The man shows us a picture of the importance of a relationship with one another. The Gospels reveal the nature of Christ as he embraced people from all walks of life. Jesus' command to baptize believers represents an initiation into the family of God. Baptism unites us with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and is a public witness of our inclusion in the body of Christ. I love scripture, so we're going to go to exactly where that talks about in Romans chapter 6. Right now, the very start of the chapter. Start at verse 3. Oh, yeah, that's right. Change it there too. Do you not know that all of we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, die to sin and live to righteousness. I'll read verse 5 too. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be reunited with him in a resurrection like his. So we've been talking about the right to belong and we've been talking about you know, what it means to belong and understanding just who the Father really is and spending time with him. I think if we don't do that, we're just going to get everything wrong no matter how right we get it. We're always going to miss the mark. It would be impossible for us to really grow properly. But uh, you really want to entrench yourself in the body of Christ. First of all, if you've given your life to Jesus, you need to get baptised. First and foremost. Because, you know, salvation doesn't come by baptism in water. It comes by belief in your heart and, and the repentance of sins and the confession of Jesus Christ into your life. That's where salvation comes from. But... When we get baptized, we're putting legs to our faith. We're putting obedience to our words. And it concretes that in us. And our faith starts to develop. And and that becomes the direction of our walk. Amen? You know, after the first service, Micah came up to me and he said, his family and all three of their kids have decided that they're all going to get baptized after hearing that bit. And I cried. Like, that's just so good, isn't it? Every Christian needs to get baptized. Jesus was very straightforward on that. It's not a salvation issue, but I'll tell you what, how serious are you with your faith? Let's all get baptized. The second thing you should do is involve yourself in the body. Involve yourself. Don't be like the second son who stayed outside and excluded himself because he was bitter when something good happened. Let's involve ourselves. In our context, in, in this particular church context, I'm just going to talk locally for a second, that means join a grow group. I don't care whether you get along with them or not. In fact, if you don't get along with someone and it were up to me, I'd put you in that group. Because you've got to learn to love them despite how you feel. Your spiritual metal is going to get tested, amen? Come on a grow group if you can't join a grow group for whatever reason start one go and see James and Amy Brown say I want to start a grow group you don't need six people or ten people in the group don't get daunted it could be you and one other person it doesn't matter I don't care you need fellowship you need people in your life to challenge you you don't join a grow group to join a social bubble and never get challenged you join a grow group so that you can get challenged and grow amen what they're called world groups for. Also, I would say, find somewhere to serve. Find somewhere to help out. Figure out how you're going to help someone. Ask God if you have to. I'm not talking about relational responsibility. It's just good for us when we serve. It's how we develop maturity. It's how we understand the heart of God because that's what he does. Jesus says, my father is always working. Okay. But, That being said, we can get those things wrong. We can get fellowship wrong and ministry wrong and discipleship wrong and everything wrong if we don't make time to spend time with the Father through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to finish on one scripture. I've been reading out a lot of big scriptures today. I just want to read a very small, relatively obscure scripture. It's in John chapter 8, and I don't have it up there so you don't get to read it. So, If you've got your Bibles or your phone, you can look it up. John chapter 8. the start of john chapter 8 actually starts with verse 53 of chapter (laughs) 7 and then it goes to verse 1 so it's chapter 7 verse the very last verse of chapter 7 and then it goes into verse 1 and i'll read 2 as well maybe so this was uh during the that big long feast with passover and everything i can't remember the name all of a sudden But uh, Jesus is doing a lot of teaching, and he's causing a lot of controversy, and there's arguments flying around and all sorts of things. And at the end of a lot of that, it says, they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Why was he going to the Mount of Olives? He's going to spend time with someone. Can I have the, the band up? You guys want to come up and play something nice? Jesus, see, this is what Jesus got that other people didn't get, you know, when they were reading the scriptures. They thought that reading the scriptures would make them holy. But they misrepresented the Father's heart. The reason Jesus understood the Father's heart was because he made time to sit down with him. Everybody else went home, he went out to the Mount of Olives to pray. I think it's very important that we all decide to make time to sit down and start spending time with God. Just to, not just to pray and say things, like how much of our prayers is saying things to God uh, without listening? And how much of our prayers is just a transactional basic relationship? I'm talking about prayers like, Lord, help me find a car park in the shade like There's no depth to that. What a silly pr- I've prayed that prayer before, but it's silly. It's a silly prayer. let's let's desire to get to know God. That means we've got to sit and listen to him instead of just saying words all the time and saying the same thing six times in a different way so that God will understand better. Amen. Let's make the time to sit with God, get to know Him when we do that we'll just get everything else right. So I think we should uh, pray right now and then we'll finish off with a song. Okay. To us, that you love us, that you poured out amazing grace through your son Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for us. again and he sits next to you right now. And we get to come before you every single day and sit with you as well. Help us to do that. Help us to spend time with you. Lord, may our Christian life not be about trying to fit you into our busyness. May we never try and fit you in in a convenient way. May we honour you. May we hold you in a holy reverence. Help us to love you and make the time to sit with you and just hear from you, God. Lord, change our hearts. May we never become strict, strict, and and religious in that sense. And may we never become entitled. But may we see your heart every single day. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being with us all the time. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Let's sing a song, eh?